Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to 100% Hits Volume Pod, the podcast that looks at the greatest compilation series this country's ever put out. The 100% Hits compilation series. My name is Josh Earl. This week, very special guest. Please welcome us, James McCann, everyone. Yay. Oh, what a blessing. What a treasure to be here with you discussing these hits. How you doing? Oh, 100% of them. I'm really good. Uh, I love the pod. Thank you. Love many of the hits. Um, I hope you're going to follow up with a So Fresh compilation, you know, when you run out. Well, is that, that, is a, that is on Pod Machine. So Hit oh, Machine it? developed into So Fresh. And took the mantle and really ran with it. And what happened with this one later on is they just started doing best ofs. Yeah. Best, best of the year, 100% hits, and not as good. They couldn't, they couldn't compete. Well, so, I mean, something changed after the internet really started up, right? Yeah. Like, there wasn't as much going on, maybe, to flog. Because this is, am I correct in saying these are the songs on these albums are all one company? Is it Warner? Warner, EMI, and Polystar for this one, and the other yep. one was Mushroom, like Hit Machine was Mushroom and uh, yeah. Sony and whatever it was, yeah. And so it's like half um, trying to get people to buy it because they want the songs, and half shitty songs that got to number 38 for a week that they're trying to give a little boost, am that's I correct exactly in saying that? It. And I would say and some of them would be like, hey, we've got this Australian band that's not doing that well, put them on this, yeah. and then we have more sales for their song royalties. And we can yeah, see what happens. Yeah. Take care of them. We've yeah. got our credibility. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, some of them, some of them probably benefited from that hit. And uh, but I think as on the B side, that's what we're doing, right? We're doing the second. Yeah, we're doing side B half. Yeah. These are these are not as many hits on this side. I feel. I don't think there are as many hits, but I think like, like, last I think better with, songs with Thorno was the lowest score we ever had, with only four out of ten hits. I think this has got more hits. All right. They may not we'll have see. been hits at the time, but I reckon they've aged better than the first half of the of the album. Well, I don't want to jump in too quick, but the first one is dope. I got things to say about this first one. I loved it. All right. Well, let's get into it then. This is kicking off. I had not thought of this song for probably two decades, and I listened to the first <laughs> second and went straight back to little old me and Bernie listened to it for the first time. This is the song "Return to Innocence." by German electro-musician Enigma. Uh. <laughs> One time. So good. Baby, baby. <laughs> and it loses me there. Devotion, 
That is the best bit of the song. Oh, uh, it's maybe... The- that's I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's the only good bit of the song, but it's a oh. very good bit of the song. Like, and I, I feel... Oh, I mean, there was a lot... It's got that, like, slow Moby drum in the background that he yep. ran with, and it's, like, very, like, we're going to take something that sounds a bit African and turn it into, yes. like, I think that, that Sunshine song later did that to well, um, great effect, he, which is a sample. Yeah. Here's where the drum beat comes from. The drum beat's a sample from... Led Zeppelin's When the Levy Breaks. Yeah, I buy I that. I didn't know. So this is so Enigma. Yep. Enigma was a guy called Michael Cretu. Started was. off just producing well, he still is. Started off producing okay. albums for his <laughs> then wife, who was a German pop singer called Sandra. And then came up with the idea he wanted to make New Age World Beat music. And so his first album was called MCMXCAD, which is just Roman numerals for 1990 AD. Yep. And he had a song called Sadness Part One. And this song sold over 12 million copies worldwide. Huge. Yeah, people are... Was there a Sadness Part Two? Probably was, but I reckon it's very smart because I reckon Enigma was a very, like, very similar style to someone like Enya and they'd be right yeah. next to each other in the CD record shop. You flick it I mean, to Enya and go, oh, there's an enigma. I like that. Mum liked that. Is that what you're saying? That this is the, it was, it's all been a ruse to just take Enya's, this is like when, you know, like the Chinese have a series of automobiles that sound a lot like Western and Japanese automobiles with a letter change. Now, this is yeah. a Raihatsu. That's not the actual example of what they do, but they do do it. But it is, um, but also like when the guy starts singing, the wheels come off, right? Like when they go, oh, the yeah. in the set. No one, I don't want to hear that. I want to hear the weird Led Zeppelin drums, the synths. Yep. And I think, um, you know, a tribal man being uh, stabbed, it sounds like. Who you want to listen to is Difang and Ige Dwana. So they were the yeah. two singers doing that kind of Gregorian chant kind of thing. And uh, Mr. Kretu discovered them on a CD compilation that he uh, bought uh, that was recorded live in this uh, concert in Paris, and Dif, uh, Difang and Ige Duana were on a cultural exchange program. Yeah, didn't know okay. this CD was put out. So in <laughs> 1998, they were told, "Hey, this song sold almost. I think it sold almost like eight million copies of this just this song alone." Oh, yeah. So they got they got a lot of royalties. Uh, so it was settled out of court for an undisclosed amount of money and all further releases of the song accredited, including all the royalties, to those two, to Duanas. And they're the only ones doing anything interesting. They deserve, I don't know how much they got from the yeah. royalties, but they deserved more. Um, the other, every yeah, well, other vocalist on the track is taking away from what makes it good, especially the woman at the end who whispers, return, he goes, return to innocence. Is that his wife? That is, is that his, his wife. wife. That is Sa- uh, I that's Sandra. You were yeah. lifting your finger and I thought, man wrote some songs for his wife. As a woman who's not on any yeah. other part of the job. Sandra, get in here. Go, give us a whisper. I do love in the in the 80s and 90s that like, there were so many pop stars with just one woman. Madonna was the success. And I went, hey, I think her success is because she's got a single name. We'll yeah. just, but Madonna's a good name. Sandra. Yeah. Do you need a good name? Nah. <laughs> Sandra. German, a German woman named Sandra. German ah, Sandra. Look, I too, if that was the if that whisper at the end was the only other voice other than the people singing, that would also be great. But yeah. I, it's like 
so like the other one the great thing about sunshine which is basically the same thing as this or like the fat boy slim songs that like the ones that people actually remember this is one yeah. that has not stood the test of time infinity by the guru josh oh, credit, right it's 1990s, like 1990s time for you, the guru if you're gonna yeah if you're gonna have a song like this you bet you get one idea yeah. right and it's like everybody is on ecstasy and the lights are going or their kids you know on the way to school Listen, but it's a, you got one idea. That's it, and I feel it's that's. Just, uh, what I mean, what what else was it about? You know, what is a return to innocence? A couple of these, lyrically, I don't think there's one that is a lyrical powerhouse, except maybe that song by James. I but other than yeah, that, I don't think people are listening to this kind of music though to listen to the lyrics. This is absolute <laughs> background music. Put it on on in the foyer of your massage parlor, and that's what people want it for. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> what, just people getting madly rubbed out while these two exchange students yodel? Yeah. This, this charted top 10 in 16 yeah. countries. Believe it. Except for in Australia, mm? where it only got to number 16. So in America, it got to number four on the Billboard charts. Well, what were we listening it? to instead? We must have had, I don't know... Johnny Farnham released an album. They all went up simultaneously yeah. that week. Well, according to these hits, it was all Diesel. Diesel was on the <laughs> charts all the time. But this, I mean, this song has not. Oh, it's Diesel. This, I mean, this song hasn't stood the test of time at all, right? Like, in no, terms, of, I, mean, I think it's still quality. It's good. It, no one, you would never put it on a compilation night. If you, if you were having a L'Amour Toujours style dance music night, you'd really have to go. It'd be later on in the evening yeah. that you'd think to plop this one on. Well, this was used for the 96 Olympics. This was like one of the kind of oh. like songs that they used for the telecast, <laughs> an official sponsored song, yeah, I, which was Atlanta. Um, so I don't know why. It had nothing to do with anything that they were singing about. They were returning to innocence. Yeah. <laughs> the Atlanta had a lot of racial trouble over the years, <laughs> and this was a beautiful coming together of East and West and North and South. Do you know the um, at the London Olympics, they had, they had a bunch of songs that they used for the intro, and they were trying to like... And one of the songs was, it's a beautiful song, it's perfect, it's called Olympians, and they use it. Did you follow this at the time? No. Oh, the only downside is it's by a band called Fuck Buttons, and they credited them, they didn't bleep it out, so on the, on the Olympic broadcasters, it's all happening and they're saying what the songs are, you know, in front of a world audience, the words Fuck Buttons come up down the bottom. It's a great song, great band. Excellent. I'll look it up. Just my right. one Olympic music fact. Let's move on. We've talked about her in the past. I'm a big fan of who she is and... How she rose up mm. the music charts. This is Katie Lang and her mm. song, Hush, Sweet Lover. Hush, sweet lover, hush and gently. Enjoying this, Josh? She's got a very lovely voice, James. Um, mm. Gets to a really good bit here. Here we go. This is the most interesting part mm. of the song. Uh. Oh, 
Yeah, it's a good chord. Um, oh, I gotta say, she doesn't. She doesn't do it for me. But I will say one thing. I compositionally, I think is interesting. Is uh, when she says "hush," yes, which she says quite a lot in this song. But at the start of every melodic line, where she says "hush" on the like, you know, the start of the four-bar thing, there's a harmony. It's like a big harmony, and then there's no harmonies for the rest of the line, right? Yes. Like they're only coming in on a hush, and then, you know, as though that's the the presumably woman, Katie Lang, that she's telling the hush, and she. Sh- I mean, personally, I don't think people should do songs about telling women to shut up. You know, even if they're lesbian <laughs> relationships, I don't think that's very woke of a Katie Lang. But uh, I thought that was cool. I thought it's. Yeah. That is the great thing to do. If you say it, hush, sweet lover, it sounds better than. Yeah. Can you just shut Hush. up? Like, yeah. Eh. <laughs> well, I was thinking of, yeah, and there's like a there's this tender way to say, like a lot of songs will say the same thing, in a like pleasant way. I'm gonna get this wrong, but there's like, um, there's a song that's about like I I you know I want to fall asleep in your arms. I can't get to sleep without you. It's so beautiful. I was just thinking that like that's the same as a young thug line. Yeah. Let uh, let me not. It's the only way I go to sleep. But that's much sadder and, and aggressive. And there, also there's another word in there I didn't say. But this, I mean, Katie Lang is very, she's uh, dull, right? Yes. Very much yeah. so. What I, what I like about her is, you know, she started off in a country punk band. Yes. And kind of gravitated towards a crooner and was like super, super successful. After Constant Craving, pretty much could have done whatever she wanted. What she wanted to do yes. was she wanted to move to Portland and watch mm. the Portland Trailblazers basketball. <laughs> That's pretty much what she does. It's great. I love it. <laughs> is she there, um, Spike Lee? Yes. <laughs> yes. Is Katie Lang just standing in front of court, getting in people's faces with her sweet, melodious tones? Um, I mean, good for I didn't know that about her. That's very cool. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, this is, of, of the many, of the entire rainbow, you know, of the LGBTQIA plus rainbow of covers of Hallelujah... She, as the L representative, has my least favourite. You know? Oh, really? Yeah. Whereas the G cover, which is obviously Rufus Wainwright, has the Rufus top Wainwright, G yeah. cover, yeah. number one, man, yeah. number one. And then Leonard Cohen, he's definitely in the plus sort of section. Yeah. <laughs> the the John was... Cale version of that song mm. is very good as well. Which and is how the do one you that feel... um, Rufus Wainwright said he was, no, Jeff Buckley was saying he was covering yes. the John Cale version. Yeah, I was going to ask how you feel about the Jeff Buckley version. Look, I, I have an interesting relationship with Jeff Buckley because I... You killed him someone. and hit the body. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, go on. <laughs> I, put, I put the stones in his pockets. No, I... Um, have I another drink, woman, Jeff. Yeah. I live with a woman who... That was her favourite album and she played it so much and I yeah. just got to a point where I'm like, I can't listen to this anymore. I'm sorry. Like, I understand. It's just so... And like, yeah, it just ruined it for me. But this yeah. song... <laughs> This song yeah. was from the soundtrack Hush. to the to the movie Even Cowgirls Get the Blues. Have you ever seen that film? The Uma I'm unfamiliar with film. that. Oh, I don't know uh, it. Directed by Gus Van Sant. You probably don't know it because it's universally panned as a <laughs> horrible, horrible film. I've never seen it, but I do remember the when I would go to the video store, it being there. The cover was Uma Thurman hitchhiking in the middle of the road. Yeah, and Very so I'll sexy. read you the plot of it. Okay, this might, this might change your mind. It's a film about a woman called Sissy Hankshaw who has enormously large thumbs. And because of these thumbs, she becomes a hitchhiker. (laughs) (laughs) 
Okay. She, she travels to New York where she becomes a model for a homosexual feminine hygiene product mogul known as the Countess. Cool. And a few years later, he introduces her to his beauty ranch, the Rubber Rose Ranch. And the main plot revolves around the cowgirls who work at the ranch after they violently take over the drug and, in, and drug the endangered whooping cranes or whooping cranes that nest along the lake on their land. So this makes the birds stay there all year round. And the cowgirls end up in a showdown with the government agency because the cranes won't leave the ranch and the cowgirls refuse to allow the men on the ranch to take the cranes. And Sissy and the ranch leader, whose name is Bonanza Jellybean, have a love affair. And after a fatal okay. shootout between the cowgirls and various agencies, the cranes leave and Sissy takes over running the ranch. I mean, it's very <laughs> 90s, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> That's a very 90s Gus Van Sant. We don't really care how much money you lose on this one. Uma wants to work with you. Yeah. Well, apparently... They're not they making were, those anymore. They were expecting to make $8 million back on it and it made yep. $1.3 at the box office. Oh, boy. Oh, mercy me. And that was always at the video store? Yeah, always at the video store. I remember it being, <laughs> I remember the cover. But this is what Leonard Moulton said about it, film critic. He said, The novel was hopelessly dated and there is not enough peyote in the entire American Southwest to render this movie comprehensible. Katie Lang's score <laughs> is the pitcher's sole worthy component. Ah. Oh. So there you go. Well. <laughs> well done, KD. You got yeah, this. well, yeah, I mean. But also, if this song is the best thing about a movie... And independently on an album of 10 random songs, it's not one of the top half. How bad's that movie? I really want to watch it now. It sounds amazing. It's just starting with a woman with enormously large thumbs becomes a hitchhiker. They just don't. That's what's left out when people say that Hollywood's not making like beautiful stories anymore because they don't have the machinery to like have DVDs come out and finance interesting films. Like, There's no Shawshank Redemption anymore that anyone's making. There's no, I don't know. Uh, Forrest Gump is, or, you know, just like a film that feels a bit, you know, it's within the commercial frame and they mean yeah. to make money out of it, but it's like, it's not based on something or it's not uh, an immediate commercial reality. Um, what we forget is that for every one of those films that was good, there was like 15 movies about Uma Thurman with big thumbs trying to, I don't know, save cranes with Mr. Yeah. Jellybean. <laughs> like that wasn't all good. Some of it was just throwing shit at the wall. It really was. All right. Moving on. Hey. In the late 90s, at the indie clubs, this song was a guaranteed dance floor filler. This is James and their song, Laid. to do that yeah. to be the guitar the, the drum part for that yeah it's a dream 
It's, you come up with that to the studio and you think everyone's going to say it's very dumb and they're like, nah, man, keep it in. <laughs> well, the person who liked it. it the most was Brian Eno, who was producing it. I did not know that. Yeah. I did not know it was Brian Eno. The band didn't rate it as a song. They thought, oh, we might put it as a B-side for one of the singles. And he was like, no, no, yeah. that's, that's a hit. And it, it wasn't really a hit in the UK. Yeah. It got to like 30 or something in the charts. But in America, oh, 22 in the charts in the UK. But in America, big on the college radio, and yeah. they loved it. And they had to do a film clip for America, but they couldn't say the line, she only comes when she's on top. Mm. So they changed it. Uh, why not? What do you reckon they changed it to? <laughs> uh, she only thumbs when she's on top. Close. back to Uma Thurman. Oh, really? She, she only hums when she's on top. Oh, that's not that's not bad. I understand I not being able to say that. Sexual, I remember when I heard that. That's just as sexual um, as she only comes. No, she's on top of a business company. She's an empowered <laughs> woman making it in the workplace. But imagine that. Imagine finding a lady who only comes when she's on top. That's like a, that's a Greek boyfriend's dream right there. <laughs> Good on her. Good on her. Um, I thought it, it was great. Those drums are great. The yep. singing. I mean, I didn't want to listen to it a third time because the melody in the it's distinctive and it works, but the chorus, uh, the the verse melody is like very accordion going in and out. Like, it's just yeah. over and over. Morrissey's favorite band for a time, though. I heard. Yeah, like. So they, early in the 80s or the mid-80s, they would support the Smiths a lot. And on one of the big tours, the Smiths would do a James song in their set. That's very cool. Yeah, it's very cool. It's very generous. And it did sort of feel like a not great Smith song, (laughs) we'll say. (laughs) Like, Well, they're also a Manchester band, just like the Smiths. They also would quite frequent the Hacienda uh, Tony Wilson yeah. from the Factory Records and the Hacienda wanted to sign them. Uh, he, I think they put out their first EP with him, but they went with Sire Records, which is Seymour Stein, because they said that Factory Records aren't really in, in about the music. They're more about the image. And so they went with uh, Sire, which also had the Smiths on it. So I guess they were yeah. big fans of them. But um, Brian Eno, I don't know. I, Brian Eno to me is always one of these producers, when I read about him, it sounds like he doesn't like music. But they. Well, I don't know if he plays an instrument, does he? I don't know, but he's like every time I read about him and you two, he's always like <laughs> saying, "No, that's a terrible song. Don't release that." And then it's like their biggest hit ever. Yeah. Um, but he, when he was doing this album for them, he also they did another album. So, uh, Laid was on like the the pop album, and the other yes. album was called Wawa, and it was all improvised jams, uh, just recorded on the spot and mixed by Eno. And can you guess, wasn't that successful? But I think that's just, to me, that sounds like, hey, we'll do this to appease Brian Eno, but we really want to put out oh, the singles. I reckon, you know, you'd be excited with that. He'd be like, listen, I did this with Talking Heads. I don't know if you guys have heard Once in a Lifetime. It's actually very successful. <laughs> Let's, let me see how it goes. But that's, um, I mean, if Brian Eno tells you to do something, I think he's got numbers on the boards. Don't like his, the other weird thing about Brian Eno is you listen to his music when he's not working with someone else. And yeah. it is like, it's all shit. Yeah. Like, there's not an interesting, there's like a couple interesting tiny slivers, but it's most like just ambient um, garbage. Yeah. But then when he's, the Bowie stuff and the Talking Head stuff, it's great. I mean, his best Coldplay album, I think, is Brian Eno. I've been, I've been defending Coldplay on the pod yeah. before. I, I don't mind Coldplay. I think they get a lot of slack, a lot of flack for being yeah. boring, but I'm like, no, I think they're, 
I mean, I'm not a fan of naming your songs emojis. Like, just give it an actual title. Sure. But like, did, yeah. But even then, my my low xyloto was really stretching the realms of feasibility of language. They took language as far as it could go yes. with my low xyloto. Pictures was all that was left. Uh, all right, I think that's all we need to say about uh, James. Yeah, that one was a good one. I give that good one song. a hit. Good song. All right, moving on. We're in Australia now. Yeah. With a band named after your asshole. This is Chocolate Starfish and their song, Mountain. was the third yeah. single from their debut album which is also called chocolate starfish oh if you got a classic like that why would you want to throw it away and why not have an eponymous single as well called chocolate starfish <laughs> uh so this was uh released after they did you're so vain which i talked about with ben russell we talked about putting you know really putting a ceiling on your band when you call your band chocolate starfish um <laughs> no <laughs> yeah and Lead singer Adam Thompson talks about how they wrote this song. So they had You're So Vain in the can, but they, they said, we need another single. We need something, another single for the album. We need an original as well. And the guitarist had written a little chord structure and Adam was coming back from the gym and he was running. And as he was running, he was trying not to step on the cracks on the pavement. And suddenly the rhythm of his running and jogging fitted the song, the chord progression. And so he wrote the melody as he was running and he... And when he got back to the studio, he's like, that's, that's it. I've written this song. It's going to be a hit. And uh, it got to number 12 on the Aria charts. I didn't realize I had heard this song before. Yeah. But like exclusively as a karaoke song by people I don't want to talk to. Oh, well, you clearly don't listen to Triple M. I reckon they would play this on <laughs> Triple M all the time. Oh, man. No, I think I'd just turn it off. But it is like it's... <laughs> It's like just that awful Gen X boomer uh, lyrical. You wanted me. You wanted me to be there for you, baby. I'm a free bird. I'm a river. I'm changing. I like getting high. That's exactly what it's about. So he, the lyrics are about when the band was over in LA. His girlfriend was like, "Hey, I want you to come home. Okay, let's let's stop doing the band thing. Let's yeah. come home. 
get a serious job. You're in a band called Chocolate Starfish, mate. Come on. It's not going to go anywhere. <laughs> Come home. And he said he spoke to the band and they're like, no, 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 you got to stay. you got to stay. And so he was running. The metaphor of the mountain and the river just came to him. He said she wanted him to stay still like a mountain, an immovable force. But he felt like a yeah. river and was just meandering and finding his own destiny. <laughs> I, have, I have no sympathy with the man in that uh... <laughs> set up. But... Okay, a good thing I will say about it is I think... Do you know the song Into the Ocean by... I don't know how... I can't look it up because I'm on my phone. If you look Into up a song called Into the Ocean... All right, I'll look it um, up now. They've ta- which is a great song. Falling in the Ocean? In the Ocean, maybe it's called. Is it by Blue the, October? Is the artwork a scrunched up alfoil ball? Boy yeah. When I felt okay. It's a great song, but the, there's about four things in the production of this song that are common in that song, and not just a nautical thing, but it's like weird, not quite natural doubling of the vocal. There's, I think, there's either a fretless bass or someone is bending a lot of the notes in this song. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then there's like a way the guitar works. It's just like a heap of things where I go, oh, I, I really, I love the production of this. Like I can go, there are elements of this song that are great. But I cannot stop associating it with just like a heavy set bald man belting it out at 2 a.m. at Le Sing or something. Or like, I'm pretty sure a bunch of people, I think someone once did this on Australian Idol. Oh, I'm sure they And would. I found it annoying. Yeah. And it's just like, it feels like very Aussie, very like, <laughs> don't trap me with your responsibilities. I just hate, I have like a deep glottal. You know when Carl Rittenhouse killed those people in America? Yeah. And, like, Americans would be like, you know, I'd be reading the case and I'd be like, ah, oh, look, this is an interesting case. And they go, man, you don't understand. You haven't met people like Carl Rittenhouse. I don't know him personally, but I know people like that and I, I can't stand them. They're disgusting. And that's like, you know, you can't make an objective look at it. With this, I hear this song, I'm like, I have met too many IQ 80 level drunks who should be at home or, like, <laughs> I just it ah, fills me with cultural cringe and hate. So I think we're, but, we're the we're the only podcast in the world I reckon would would say Carl Rittenhouse. Oh, <laughs> Mountain by Chocolate Starfish is the Carl Rittenhouse of songs. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I get you know it. What I'm trying to say. All right, I appreciate it. Hey, we'll move on. And this, I want to talk about this band a lot because this is the Gin Blossoms and their song yep. Hey Jealousy. Okay. The Gin Blossoms. What do you think, James? Didn't love it. Didn't love it? Why? What do you know about this man? Who did he kill? Well. You're looking at me like he's done something fucking awful. Let's get to it. 
So we haven't talked about this band. This is the first time the band's been on the podcast. I'm not sure if yeah. they're coming up later. Uh, I knew this band at this age from the movie Empire Records. They had a song on the Empire Records soundtrack. Yes. Right, so this is the band. They're, they're from Phoenix, Arizona. The original members were a guy called Doug Hopkins. He was the songwriter. Bill Lean, Jesse Valenzuela, who was the singer, and Richard Taylor. A lot of the songs are written about Doug Hopkins' struggles with drinking and depression. And the band name comes from uh, an old term for rosacea, when you, you, know, you drink and yeah, your yeah. cheeks get Get all red and fuzzy. Yep. Yeah. Okay, so Richard Taylor leaves the band. They get a few fill-in members in the, in the interim, but they settle on a guy called Robin Wilson, who they quickly realise is a better singer than Jesse. So he becomes the lead singer. Jesse gets demoted to backing vocals and lead guitarist. So that's there. All right. Their first album, Dusted in 89, becomes a local hit. And Doug's drinking, though, gets worse. They try to record a follow-up. He can't do the fo- He can't even stand up in the recording studios, in the sessions. And so they sell on just doing an EP. All right. They've got a whole bunch of songs <laughs> for the next Sorry. album. And the new album is going to be called New Miserable Experience, which NME. They're clever, see? Oh, Named after yeah. the, the music. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. While they're still working to complete it, the label pretty much forced the band's hand and like, hey, Hopkins has got to go. He's a liability. And they're like, but mm-hmm. he writes the songs. And they're like, we don't care. Get him out of here. So they're hesitant, but they eventually do. And they withheld $15,000 owing to Hopkins and said, we'll pay you this if you oh, leave the band and also hand over publishing royalties and mechanical royalties to the rest of the band. Oh. He's in, and he wanted a drink, of course. Yes, he's in dire financial situation, so he's like, all right, I'll do it, okay? So the album comes out. This song is a huge hit on college radio. Got to number four on Billboard's rock, tra- rock thing, 25 on the Billboard Hot 100. It's his song that he's written, and he's watching his bandmates go off and have a big career. So they, they go on Letterman, they go on Leno, they play all the big shows, MTV's playing all the time. Then what happens is he's also upset because they changed the lyrics as well. Yeah. Because he had a thing saying, uh, you can trust me not to drink, but they change it to, you can trust me not to think because they're like, we, we, we want to not we want to get away from the drinking. Yeah. What I'm I, hoping you say now, and this is where I'm hoping the story goes. Okay, what do you think? He got his life together, quit drinking, and ju- realised he was actually a great songwriter, capable of writing big hits, and went on to have a hugely successful career as a sober singer-songwriter. Close. Oh! So, in December 5, 1993, he purchased a 38 caliber pistol, and he died oh. by suicide. Oh, yeah, that was my number two, was that he definitely... Had killed himself. Yeah. 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 And they'd send him the gold record that he that he wrote the song for. Yeah. They sent it to him and he destroyed it and said, I don't I don't I get like angry every time I look at it. And yeah. yeah. Well, you must never do that. That's what people don't know, you know? And if anyone's listening, lifeline, thirteen, and then a couple other numbers. Yep. Uh, don't you know you don't want to do that, you know? But um if it would have helped him, if I could have counselled him at that time, I would have said, mate, it's not, it's not that good a song, you know? Like, what have you actually lost? This song is not, it might be a big hit now, it's not going to stand the test of time. I mean, we're talking about 
It's lower stakes than you imagine it to be. Yeah. You know? Well, this story uh, was in development by Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hawke wanted to make it into a film. Of course. Early 90s. Yeah. Ethan Hawke would have loved it. Yeah. He would have played the guy with the trouble. Well, in 2008, they unearthed uh, the uh, Doug Hopkins estate and unearthed some uh, more songs, 18 songs that he had written but not recorded. And they were offering them up to people to, if they wanted to record them. Did Ethan Hawke buy and record those songs? I don't know. Yeah, it would be great if he did. Can I follow up to Reality Bites? All right. Now, this is not a fun... I don't know if this is a fun story. I know someone who insists that he met Ethan Hawke and knew Ethan Hawke quite well. I have no reason to that he was staying in an English language bookshop in France and that Ethan Hawke would come over. Sorry, my family's coming out of the house. Oh. Hello, everybody. Hello. How, yeah, how are you? I'm just doing a podcast. I'll wind the windows up. Oh, sorry. We're off to the shops. Oh, you're off to the shops? No, it's all good. I was just telling that story about uh, Alan Ethan Hawke. Well, what it goes is, it goes, I met Ethan Hawke. And we're like, show us some proof here. And he goes, hello, mate. How are you? That's not what Ethan Hawke said. That's me. Okay, we're going we're gonna to put the windows up in this car. <laughs> ah, the story's, story's not worth it in the slightest for Ethan Hawke. <laughs> All right, so what? Yes, hello, sweetie. Uh, well, work is a, is a stretch, but, it, you know, I'm trying to be professional. <laughs> Just closing the sunroof. I have to record this in the Volvo for people who um, wonder. Anyway, I got to say, can I say, can I say yeah. James, for the yeah. good dad, good dad, because you actually hmm? acknowledge your kids, even though you're yeah. doing the podcast. I've had other po- other guests, their kids screaming, and they not even acknowledge it. I'm like, come nah, on, mate, just I can't. Let, let them know you're here. You listen to them, you hear them. It's you're a, a good new dad, world, James. You know, you're a good dad. And I know that I know that some boomer dads, some you know, people will be listening to that and go, "Why isn't that man just beating the living daylights out of his noisy children?" And that's not how I do it. That's not how I do. It. Anyway, ah, oh, it's is it? And man, it's now so sweaty in this car with all the windows up. One day, I will have my own effing room in this house, and I'll be able to sit and record a podcast and tell an affable Ethan Hawke story. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> he said, all right, he said, I said, prove it. Prove that you met Ethan Hawke and that Ethan Hawke would come to the bookstore all the time. All right, and so the man gives me a photograph in the bookshop of himself. And I said, but this is a photo of you. And he said, yes, but Ethan Hawke took that photo. <laughs> That's the end of the story. How was the photography? Was it good? Beautiful. Ethan Hawke is a real sophisticated man. I think his daughter Maya, not only a great singer, but a tremendous actress. I don't know if that's a word that you're still allowed to use, but I think that's the case. Standout um, standout, uh, performance on Stranger Things. She's very good. I think she's got a bright future. I think she's continuing to play uh, cinematic roles. I think there's a bright future for... You know, I wonder if she got her mum's thumbs. Hmm? <laughs> oh, yeah. Has she got some vote. Uma thumbs there? Look at hey, that. We are going to take a break. We'll be back after these very quick messages. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. 
That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And we're back. All right. Oh, that was very quick. It was, wasn't it? Another Australian band. That's good. They've got a lot of Australian bands on this one. This is two ex-Noiseworks members, Justin Stanley and Steve Balby. This is their outfit called Electric Hippies, and this song mm. is called Greedy People. Fuck, turn it off. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's the most obnoxious guitar noise I've ever heard. Wap, wap. Oh, let's hear it again. Double it up. Wap, wap, wow. Wap, 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 wap. You can have all the money, take the house, honey. You can even keep the shirt off my back. Well, you think that you can lose, but your attitude just proves. You'd even sell your mother for cash. That's all we need to hear. I don't want to go too far when I say that I hate it. <laughs> You're allowed but, to. Uh, like, the more I listen to it, the more I understand why it had limited... I'm going to put the window back up again. People aren't quite as far down the road towards the shops as I thought they were. Excuse me. Um, I'm like... Oh, and the window's broken on the car. All right. Do you like this song? No. No. Right. But, it's, but I, I see where it's come from. It, it's This was a time, James, where... Australians loved the 60s. We yes. just couldn't get enough of, like, looking back at think of the flower power and all that kind of stuff. And we had bands like Freaked Out Flower Children. We had Swoop. We had Voice of the Beehive. And now we've got these guys yeah. who are kind of cashing in on that 60s kind of, yeah, we're going to be like swinging 60s. But also, I could hear if they re-recorded this, this could be a song by a band, say, like The Foves could sing something similar to this. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like a, it it's, it sounds like a parody of something that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, and I felt that with a couple of them. There's one coming up, <laughs> the Release Your Soul one. I felt very, I feel like this feels like this is making fun of something, and I don't have any emotional. I'm not in a milieu where I feel this needs to be made fun of, and so I just don't like it. I think with the Dave Graney one, we're going to talk about later. It, Dave Graney is very tongue in cheek, so maybe he is making fun of. Yeah. Maybe these guys are making fun of it. I just don't know. What what the joke is either? Well, there's I mean, it's sort of like they're doing piggies, and he's doing a John Lennon accent towards the end of this one. Yeah, and it's like it is like catchy, but it's also a really lazily written song, right? And so this is this was my this is the rub is it's a, like a whole song attacking people for not being sufficiently virtuous, but then also you've released a shitty, easy, fucking wap 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 wap. Wop, 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 wop. Like, you know, what moral check are you cashing in here with your hoodie, holier-than-thou mentality? Couldn't stand it. Excuse me. I apologise. Well, I'm, ha- I'm happy to move on because I, I don't have anything to say about it either. I think God, that, might be the only, that might be the only time we, we talk about Electric Hippies on the show as well. <laughs> I went and I looked up their Wikipedia page. It's a cool album cover. Oh, it was yeah. a fun album cover. One playing electric a guitar. Electric Hippies. One, yeah, one playing oh. a, a, acoustic. 
I mean, all fun right. fact, all, all the hippies were electric. Can I just pop, drop that one on you? Is that the hippie mentality was not possible in a pre-industrialized society, right? Because you had to work the soil to put food in the belly. Only with the electric contraptions is your hippiness uh, even an option. So not that clever a name, gentlemen. I don't know why I'm mocking them. I don't know what's happened to them. I don't want to drive them to suicide as well. There's been too much of that on this uh, podcast. They're still getting noise works checks. They're doing all right. All right. I thought we'd done with this band, but they keep coming back. Now this the is... The chin blossoms, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> this is the lead single from their follow-up album. It's called Crash, Boom, Bang. This is Roxette and Sleeping in My Car, which is uh, like... It's very apt for today's episode. All right. almost never heard a song where the two parts of it fit together less <laughs> coherently. Yep. Like the first bit sounds like it could be the intro music to like Biker Mice from Mars. And then the second bit is just like a friendly jingle jangle. Sleeping in my car. Well, it's almost like they have to stop the song and do that cool little drum clap bit to go yeah. into the chorus because it doesn't actually fit. Oh, we're just hoping you forget. We're hoping yeah. you're so wrapped up in how good the drums are. But also, I mean, the chorus is all about like having sex with someone in a car, right? Yeah. That's, that is not at all the emotion of having sex with someone in a car. Like, I don't yeah. know how many of your listeners have had sex with people in a car. It's so unpleasant, you know? And it's really, it can only be like a furious, mad, passionate, hate, weird thing. But this is like, they're talking about having sex in a car as though it were a, a summer picnic. No, I, you th- know? Well, I think... It's- you either have sex in your car because you live with your parents still. And you've got yeah. no room. It's never a hey. I, I'm I'm so horny. I have to have sex with you right now. It's like no. We'll wait. Come on. Do you know Roll what on. I've never done when I have a perfectly capable uh, bed with my wife in my home? Say, like, honey, do you, want to, do you want to pop out to the car for a minute? <laughs> just, I just, I think I need a small piece of plastic wedged in my back while we're doing this. Is that okay? A friend of mine was interviewed on Triple R on a show called Rooters, and the whole show was just okay. about where, people who have sex. And he was on there because he wanted he had a band. He was promoting his album, and he goes, "Yeah, I'll just do whatever. I just want to get on Triple R to get my, my songs played." Yeah. And the first question was, "Where's the weirdest place you've had sex?" He goes, "Oh, in my car, oh, in my bed." And I'm like, "What?" And he goes, "Yeah, why would?" And he had a big argument with him on air, going. Why would you choose to have it anywhere else if you have a bed? Like, it's the best place for it. It's comfortable. Like, it's it's warm. Like, you don't need to go to the beach. That's not nice. Like, yeah. This is not in the spirit of Rooters. No. That's Here not what at Rooters, we take it to another level. Um, hey, so, um, P- 
Per Gessel, uh, the, the guy yeah. from Roxette, he said he wrote this song in less than an hour. And yeah, it was the it final shows. song they Sorry. wrote for uh, the album, Crash Boom Bang. Yeah. Uh, and because he said he, they listened to the to the album and he said it was missing something. He said it sounded all grown up. He said it, it needs some yeah. more pop on it. So he went home and then wrote the riff and then wrote the song in less than an hour. It got to number one in Sweden, top 10 in 15 other countries. But in the US, where they had such, so much success previously, yeah. it only got to number 50. So this was the beginning of the end for the Swedish White Stripes. Um, and I think... <laughs> Is that what you're calling them? That's what I call them, yeah. I wanted to catch yeah. on. I want everyone to call, start calling Roxette the Swedish White Stripes. Um, oh, my kids just got home now. No, thank you for acknowledging that. Um, I mean, that great guitar. Can we say their production is stellar? Like, yes. That's a great guitar noise. Yeah. Um, I love Scandinavian women trying to sing in English and make it sound normal. Sleeping in my car. <laughs> like, it's great. It's always fun. Nico's fun. Uh, Abba, whatever. Yeah. And it's like, it's, but it's, I think, yeah, this is rightly the end yeah. for them, right? I like think this. What's happened is they write, they write very good pop rock songs, but I don't yeah. think there's any tricks left to it. There's nothing surprising about this song to Joyride, uh, the other songs that I've talked about. And I think maybe America was like, all right, we've, We've done. Although, still, to this day, huge in Brazil. They could go to Brazil and play, like, stadiums and still sell them out. I mean, there's only one member alive now, but they could. Is that true? Oh, they, yeah. The Peruvian market is banging yeah. for what they've got. I mean, it's like, it's a very competent song, as yeah. with all Scandinavians. Here's, here's my only real critique of Scandinavian music. I don't know. Have you watched that Song Exploder show? I've watched. The f- I used to listen to the podcast more than watch it. Um, yeah, the the podcast is better than the show. But you're yeah. watching the show and you're just like, you know, they, they've got a pop starlet or something. And this is true of the podcast as well, actually. And you're watching, you go, all right, how long until a Scandinavian man is like secretly the person who's like, I, well, I put the thing here and then I ran it through a watermelon <laughs> and I tried to channel uh, like my years of creative classical music training. I mean, it's like really well put together song. There's no heart to this one, right? It's like, I felt the album, it needed a sort of playful song about car sex. So in one hour, I had this completed. And it went to number 50 in America, I guess. Uh, (laughs) I think that, I think you've nailed that there. I think it does sound like, hey, we need, we need something to fill this gap. All right. Yeah. Chuck it in. The most passionless song about the most passionate activity. You've really got to want to be there for the car sex, you know? Yes. All right. Well, for some kinds of car, do you yeah. car sex, you got to want to be there. Van sex, usually at least one person's having a terrible time. <laughs> Is that your driver in the pod? In front. That's <laughs> yeah. yeah. All, right. All right. Moving on. That's now. a joke about abducting someone and having sex with them in a van. Oh, I didn't pick up on it. Oh, oh sorry. That's what I was going for. All right. Now, this is the first person on the podcast that I've had that I actually know this person. Okay. I could actually contact him right now if I wanted to. This is Dave Graney and his Coral Snakes and his song, I'm Gonna Release Your Soul. That's cool. That's really cool. I'm gonna do the right thing as soon as I see what it is. In the meantime, 
I'm gonna release your soul Girls at home lying with a man He's trying to sleep Dreaming of you I'm gonna release your soul You pop the car off Get the bags off Get the clerk Oh yeah ah, Yeah I'm gonna release your soul <laughs> That's enough. He's got some great noise. Uh, it's also very good. Yeah. The band's very good. Dave's very my good. Favorite, it's my favourite uh, 10, 15 seconds of anything on the playlist. Yep. Is when he... Um, they have the intro with the piano in the background, but then... So after that great guitar riff intro, when he goes, I'm going to release your soul... Ah, oh, but then also, just how dumb it is and fun that he's the piano line is going down with him, like it's doing an accompaniment at the start of it, and then yep. ba 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 like that's a great fun thing. I got to say, I don't know what I'm gonna release your soul. Me, is it about making a woman come? Maybe. Yeah, I think that's the, that's the. Is it about of... killing somebody? <laughs> Probably with this one. <laughs> <laughs> but this is the thing. I think Dave. I think he's got. His tongue firmly in his cheek here. He knows mm. he's like, he knows it's funny. But I think he's, his singing style is like if someone was making fun of Nick Cave. That's I was going to say, this sounds like. like a piss take on Nick Cave to some yeah. extent. And it's but, also something that Nick Cave would say. Yes. <laughs> well, they're friends. The two, okay. Two are friends. So uh, his first band was the Moodus. They were like in the, like the late 70s, I think. Maybe a bit yep. earlier. A bit later in. But anyway. He was born in Mount Gambia, moved to Adelaide after high school where he met Claire Moore, his partner in life and creatively, like she's in all the bands. They're still together 44 years later. Uh, so the Moodus were the first band. Then they moved to London. He formed the Coral Snakes in London. They were kicked out of the country for overstaying their visas, moved back, settled in Melbourne. Uh, in April of 93, they released their album Night of the Wolverine, which some say is the band's best work. I would say Dave would disagree. Do you say that? I look. It's got uh, "You're Just Too Hip, Baby" on it, and also "Night of the Wolverine," which is a great song. I do like the album this one's uh, on, uh, but uh, I think Dave would disagree and say his best work's his current work because he's like that and he's a big. Oh, contrarian. they all they all bloody say that. They all yeah. bloody say that. David Bowie was saying that right to the end. I know. Yeah. Uh, so, I reckon Bodera Suburbia was very good indeed. Is it? But so, this is, uh, I mean, it's great. It's got great. He, he's clearly a good songwriter yep. and a good singer. And even though, like, uh, it's not it's not my favourite song on the whole track, but those bits of it where you go, like, if they wanted to make this a pop, if Brian Eno was in the room, right, Brian Eno would say, we're taking that little piano bit, we're yep. taking that thing you do with the guitar, that 50 seconds up the top that even your fan and personal friend Josh Earl is going to skip past when he's doing a podcast about it. That's gone, friend. And we're just going to start with that. Like there is um, there is a very tight pop song in there that they're choosing not to do, well, you know, as a skill, I, as a talent. I remember seeing Dave Graney as a, as a teenager, as in just on TV and being fascinated by him. I didn't quite get the joke that he was doing, if it was a joke, was this, because he used to appear on Club Buggery, like Roy and HG's show on ABC. Yeah, yeah. And in that, I still remember this. So he was a contestant on Celebrity Sale of the Century. 
and it was a music one, and he yeah. didn't win. And they asked him about it because he lost to Andy from the Foes. And I still remember yeah. this. He said, "Yes, but I knew the most. I was the smartest person on on the panel there because I knew all the questions that Andy got right." But he didn't know the questions that I got right. So all it was was he was faster. That's all. But I still knew them. And I think that is a very... That's a beautiful point of pride to have on Saturday Central. <laughs> interesting way to say, yeah, I didn't win. And I lost to someone who I think is dumber than me. <laughs> well, there is that like great... Yeah, that's a great line. He's. I feel there's a... Do you know Kieran J. Callanan? Yes. And so I would say like um, Nick Cave... Kieran J. Callanan. There's like a long. Uh, who's the Who's the heavy set man who's bald? Donny. Donny Benet. Oh, Donny. B- yeah, Benet. Yeah, yeah. Benet. He is well. It's like there are heaps. That's this is. It's not quite a default. But there's like a strong tradition of men in the music business in Australia going like, "Am I kidding? I'm not. Gonna, I'm not gonna fucking tell you. I'm not gonna tell you if I'm having a laugh. Yeah. You decide. I'm just having a good time. And it's very polarizing. And it stops. Any of them from having a mainstream career in the United States where that yes. sort of thing is poison? <laughs> where it's like, is this ironic or is it not? Tell us. We want to know. Well, I but think it's lovely. People sometimes think that, like, you know, Nick Cave is the person he's portraying on stage. I'm like, no, that's just a character. Yes. He's not really. No, I, Nick Cave is the man who writes his newsletter. Yes. It's called The Red Hand Files. Man, that is just the most beautiful, heartbreaking. Do you read that newsletter? I've read a few. I, when, he, when he's. Uh, Son died. I started reading it. Which and, uh, yeah. one, Josh? Well, well, How the, much the tragedy one. can well, one man be expected it, to endure? It's so sad because Jethro, who is, is the one who died recently, I taught Jethro at Collingwood College. It was so sad oh, when I read that. Like, it was like, because he was, you know, he had his demons. Even at, at in high school, you could tell, okay. But then, yeah. you know. Last time I saw him, he was modelling and he seemed to be getting his life on track. It was just very sad how that turned out for Jethro and the K family. So I, I don't read, I haven't read that because I feel like um, I, I was no, sn- no, like it's snooping too close. sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. But one thing I, I want to say this about, go back to Dave Graney. Yeah. What I very much appreciated was in 96, he won uh, Best Male Artist at the Arias. And instead of saying he won Best Male Artist, he referred to it as, I'm the King of Pop. I won the King of Pop. And for a whole year, he would go around saying, I am the King of Pop, which is just great. <laughs> but also for a man who clearly is not <coughs> fixated on making commercially successful pop music. No. No, he, to he then does say a band the King of Pop is lovely. He's got another band uh, called uh, Waz and Daz, <coughs> which is with uh, a friend of mine, uh, Will Hindmarsh. And it's kind of like... They do crazy beats and Dave Grady raps over it and it's it's great. It's ridiculous, but it's great. Yeah. What is it? I, I, if you can get me an answer on what it is to release yours, it may not have a meaning, but he keeps saying he's going to release my soul. Uh, what does that mean? Yeah, if you would. I'll send, I'll send him a Twitter message. All right, we're going to move on. Another Australian band. These these guys, everyone knows them from their song. What a great sounds of what a great This decade. is Australia. This is Ganga Jang and their song Talk to Me. On the patio we sit and the humidity 
The same voice as the guy from Hot Chip. Oh yeah, yeah. Alexi. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, the the little one. Yes, and he um <laughs> the one who it's so... uh, when Tommy Daslow went to Hot Chip, someone said, "Hey, I love you in the band," and Tommy's like, "I'm not. I'm not." Alexi. I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know that. Um, that is scrumptious. Uh, but it's that beautiful. I don't. And I'm trying to figure out what it is because it's sort of like schoolboy. Like it's really clear. Yep. And then it's sometimes more timbre than it is the right tone. Pitchy. It's a pitchy dimension. But yep. then also the timing is sometimes like a, like a, you know what I mean? It's a little before and a little after. It's really lovely. I like it's it. It's really I, nice. When I heard it in the song, I was thinking, this sounds so out of place. It sounds very 80s. And then you realize, oh, they're, they're an 80s kind of band. And I'm Yeah, but they've kept going. I'm thinking about this in terms of 94. What was happening in... The world of popular music in '94, where you've got like, yeah, Snoop. Kurt Cobain is saying, "I want to yeah. die." <laughs> is got, he dead by then? Yeah, he's dead. He's dead now. No, excuse yeah. me, just just no. passed. Um, but you've got that. You've got hip hop kind of breaking through with Snoop Dogg and Tupac and all that kind of coming out. Yeah, and then you got this, and it would just sound so, so dated. But I think, in terms of this, it's actually I a great song. I, I really like the song. Yeah, yeah. Like, could like, quite comfortably have been a song. If it had been a song, who is, it's like UMI was like just a bit too soon. They And they yep. missed the rock, you know, all their hits were before the big rock thing. Yeah. So too here, like, I think this, you know, if um, if this had come out in the same couple of years as that Bernard Fanning track, I uh, Wish You Well, yeah. or that, uh, or that you know, who's that? You Are So Beautiful, I Dream About Touching Your Hair, I don't remember what that one's called. Every time I touch a lady's hair, who doesn't want me doing that, I think of that line though. Oh, James Excuse Blunt. Me. Uh, no, <laughs> that, uh, what's it? Murray, Paul Murray. Oh, Pete so Murray. Paul Pete Murray's Murray. the Sky News guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I always uh, get mixed up between the Paul Kellys. That's a big thing for me. The, uh, you the know, I hear Paul Kelly talk. No, he's, yeah. oh, he's talking about how much he loves heroin. And I'm like, but don't you edit the Australian newspaper? But um, uh, it's difficult. But this, I mean, it, it does show that a song can be good and mm. out of, because so many of the songs, and I listen back to the, some of the side A's for this as well. And a lot of it, we like to move it, move it, accept it. Are like pretty shit house EDM R&B numbers. Yeah. Come on, let's dance. Mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm. It's just the same. It's like, all right, that's the BPM that it had to be. And that's the kind of shouting. But uh, yeah, this is a good song that was not at the right time. Has that daughter gone missing? Oh, there she is. All right. Sorry, they've come back from the shops. The window's <laughs> come back up. <laughs> So this I was, just only saw the, the one. So th I didn't know this. The members of this band, Mark Callahan, was in the Riptides, who were 
yeah. Aussie band. And also Chris Bailey and uh, Graham Buzz Bidstrup from The Angels are also in this oh. band. Yeah. And Kaylin B, she's on vocals and percussion. But here's the thing. So they kind of formed <coughs> because they were writing for this ABC drama called Sweet and Sour, which before my time, I don't know, I, I was four when the, when the band formed, so I don't really There's know. There's a Chinese family who moves into a small country town. <laughs> <laughs> it was that or lemon chicken. We're not sure what we're going to yeah. call this show. Um, but this is another band, huge in Brazil. Really, Ganga yeah. Jang. Ganga Jang is big in Brazil because they were they were used in a cult surf movie called Mad Wax, and the Brazilians love their surfing, and they played three massive gigs over there. One of them to twenty thousand people on Copacabana Beach. Oh, it's so cool. Yeah. Do you reckon this is Australia? They play it as this is Brazil when they're in Brazil. <laughs> they match that's a humid country as well. They got patios. Yeah. This, this I got also... one for the last one, by the way. It's a oh. cool I don't know if you've also got it, but a cool like evolution of bands and people going from one band to another band. Have you done All that right. for the last song? No, I the haven't. Caligula let's, one? Let's oh, hear I have, it then. I have. Okay, this is the last song. This is Caligula <laughs> and this is their song Roundabout. That's roundabout by like, Kugula. So confrontingly like a late 90s to present day anime soundtrack. That thing of like yep. that drum machine, hard guitar, da-da-ba-ba. like if they had about nine more chords, that could be the start of Bubblegum Crisis Tokyo 2040 or something. I think they are. I said, I think, I think I've talked about them twice already. I think they were out of, out of time. Another band who, if they were like yeah. just a bit earlier so they could fit in with the whole Cure and Depeche Mode uh, phase, or yep. five years later, so when Placebo kind of came in and everyone kind of discovered Nine Inch Nails around that time as well, go, oh, this, yeah. would be, this would be great. But I think in that 90s, also the start, once again, sounds too 60s. If it just started like 10 seconds later, <laughs> chop that little first bit off and just start at the guitars, I'd be much oh, more look, there's a lot. There's a, lo- there's a lot of problems here. But it is, it's a cool, like, I think it's an underdone dynamic is the, the drum machine and the, like, heavy metal guitar thing. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it, it's a great sound. I don't think it's a great song and it's not there. I think they also did a cover and the Tears of a Clown. Of, right. And that got a lot of Triple J play, I believe. Yeah. So this, I, I'd say the label was very excited about this band because they pushed them on these compilations, like three songs yes. so far. Uh and I reckon they could see some crossover between pop and rock, like with this band. I think. Well, it did because that it got Triple M play as well. Yeah. And I think even at the time, it would have been weird to have a Triple J Triple M 
double thing. You go like, we're opening up some good markets here. People are yeah. going to come to these shows who don't like each other. Yes. <laughs> uh, I think this is the strongest song so far they've had on it. Yeah. But I, I was listening to their, their uh, is it album? Uh, Rubenesque is the album. And there's a yeah. song on that uh, called Plush, I think, which I think is the strongest Better. song, but it's not on any, no, Fuzz. And it's not on any of the. Um, I think I, I think I hearted things. it. Yeah, it's it. That one's quite good, but <sighs> in '94, in '94, yeah. Ashley Rothschild left this band. So obviously yep. they were fighting, and they were like, "Yeah, you got something to say?" Yes. Yes. Well, no. I mean, I, I, I think I know where you're going. It's very exciting if we go to the same place. How far I, through no, you take it? I've got nowhere to go from there. I was just going to say, I was going to say, it must have been All like right. obviously internal struggles. And I'm like, no, fuck it. We're about to break, but I can't be bothered. Well, the band that the the other two members form afterwards, I think, I, I don't remember the name, right? I'm fucking, if, if you look at it, get on Wikipedia quickly. It's not called Pandora, but it might be called Pandora, but that's definitely a different band's name. Anyway, so they hire a young woman to be their singer who then leaves that band and becomes the lead singer for Machine Gun Fellatio. Ah. Which she then leaves, because big lineup on Machine Gun Fellatio, then leaves Machine Gun Fellatio, and she's the lead singer for a Sneaky Sound System. And has UFO as a big hit. Now, she has nothing to do with this song, because <laughs> she's <laughs> left a band that these boys did after this one. But I thought, that's isn't that a nice, we get all the way to I Saw a UFO and Nobody Believed Me by the end. That is great. So th- this band, though, are back together. I talked about them. Oh, they're they, back. They've been releasing new music. Also, you may have seen them on the Spring Loaded Tour, which is the big 90s nostalgia tour. So it's bands like Grinspoon, You Are My, Custard, Friends or Rom, and Caligula in the to- smallest font on the bottom are there. Yeah. They're opening the show. So well done, Caligula. Is, is that going to be awkward with Friends or Rom there and all these bands? who presumably many of them continued trying to make music throughout the 2000s when um, the Doctor was at Triple J and then being like, man, you stonewalled us. You locked us out, man. We wanted to keep having hits. Why couldn't you have had a word with Kingsmore about what we were doing? I bet he's now going, hey, I'll play you on ABC Illawarra. I'll play you there. Like, <laughs> Is he the Illawarra man? Yeah. Oh, mercy me. They all find a place in the end, don't they? Many pastures the to ship them out to on the ABC. All right, well, that... That is our that is our show. That is side B. Let's go through them and see how many hits we reckon there are. <coughs> okay. Enigma, Return to Innocence. Yeah, it's a jam. Hush Sweet Lover by Katie Lang. No. <laughs> Laid by James. Uh, yeah, I'll pay that. Mountain by Chocolate Starfish. The actual version, not the karaoke version. Uh, um... Look, I, d- I will actually listen to it again in the future. Right. I did think it was all right. Hey, Jealousy by the Gin Blossoms. Nah, sorry, mate. It's not great. <laughs> Greedy I know you've people. had a rough time. I know you've had a rough time, mate. I reckon if he was with the band, he could have made it an even better song. Yeah. But um, Greedy People, Electric Hippies. Well, what do you reckon about Greedy People? No. <laughs> okay. Sleeping in My Car by Roxette. I can't pay it. I can't. In good conscience. I'm going to re- release your soul by Dave Grady and the Coral Snakes. I liked it, it's, but it's not a hit. Talk to me by Ganga Jang. Yes, I'll count that as a, as a proper hit. And Roundabout by Caligula. No, again, I liked it, but it, that is by no means does that have a place on hit radio. 
We have four. Four again. Side A and side B are uh, even. I've got to be. When I did listen through to it the first time, I thought, I, I think I'm going to push for zero. But there are great. There's, there's good stuff on there, and even the stuff that I didn't like, there were interesting uh, moments. The one, oh, I didn't. The thing I hated the most, by the way, I think I forgot to mention it. It's just come to me now. Yes. I think it's at the end of the Roxette song. She does a little laugh. Right? Like, yep. <laughs> it's, I hate, like, it made me extremely angry. Is it at the very end? Let's uh, see. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, he's doing his I little laugh. I think that's laugh. him. Yeah, he's not, she's not laughing. But it's like, <laughs> we are all having a good time. <laughs> we I don't, it Americans. really upset me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thanks for doing this, James. Now, where oh, can man, people thank you. see you and find you? Um, the James Donald Forbes McCann Catamaran Plan, which I did mean to mention, I did record one with you very early on. You were like the first person I spoke to, and it's the biggest piece of shit I've ever done because the you gave me wonderful advice and you said great things. We're sitting next to a drill. We literally did it next to a roadworks by the River Torrens. And I also yes. had no idea what I was talking about. And you gave like four wonderful anecdotes. I would love to have you back on the James Donald Force Weekend catamaran that, plan in the future. That was the weekend where I was in Adelaide and I stayed in the grimmest hotel I've ever oh yeah, I've ever been in. It was so so depressing. I thought you called it the Grimace Hotel for a second, the big purple uh, monster from McDonald's. Yeah, it is a, it's a sad, weird, modernist... I think you were, were you at the... Can I name it? Yeah, name it. You were at the Sofitel, I believe. That's new. That's a brand new establishment. No, no, no. you visited the Sofitel. No, you were at the one on on Hindley Street next to the Zambreros. Yes. Oh, that is a, that's a very bad hotel. Yeah. Yeah, and that is sort of notorious. It was when you had to when you had to isolate and stay in your hotel until you got your positive or your negative result. Yeah. Of all the places to have to go. It was so good. You would have had number of working girls on that floor uh, with you. I think that's oh. what that hotel's used for mostly. But hey, I remember also it was the masks were half in and half out. Like yeah. it was at the end of masks were totally regulated everywhere, but people were just going, you know, I I won't be complying anymore. I remember you took to Twitter and you're like, what? what is the rule? I know. <laughs> I, just know. I asked for the rule and then I had all these people <coughs> saying, if you want to protect yourself and more importantly others, wear a mask. I'm like, yeah, I understand the reason for yeah, the masks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just want to know. Am I getting the, a fine? The rule, what do I have yes. to do? Yeah. yeah. Um, so you got the, the, the podcast. Also yes. on uh, Twitter, you're JD McCann. Is that right? Uh, yeah, JDF McCann. JDF. It's too hard to find on the internet, isn't it? All these internet things. But if you type in catamaran, uh, James McCann, I'll probably come up. I'm trying to buy a boat. Excellent. Still hey, trying. Thank you, everyone who's Patreon subscribers. You're the absolute best. If you're in Melbourne this Monday coming up, I'm doing a free show at the Retreat Hotel, a free Don't You Know Who I Am. So the old podcast is coming back. Uh, we're doing a free one. Uh, so... Just turn up. It'll be great. It's at 7.30, I think, is when doors open. Uh, it's also the night of my uh, basketball grand final, so I'm missing my grand final for you people. So, yeah, my team are... How does the team very, feel about they're that? They're very angry at me. Uh, but, you know, you've got to pay the Didn't bills. Didn't you book that show? Couldn't you... 
<laughs> I didn't, the other I didn't night? think we'd be in the grand final. I didn't. I, I, I thought you had we no shit. faith. Yeah. Did you put in a strong performance in the in the finals leading up to that? I, I'm I'm good at defense. I can't shoot, but I'm good at defense. And also Sydney. <laughs> I'm coming up November 20, doing another show at the Vanguard, doing my show, Talks, the stand-up show, followed by the podcast, uh, Don't You Know Who I Am Again. So make sure you come along. Tickets are at joshearl.com.au. You guys are all the absolute best. Enjoy. I'll see you next time. Bye. Goodbye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.